Maybe you would be willing to, to take out, if you have a, a message memo or something that you're taking notes on, uh, if you haven't downloaded the message memo for this morning, and, and, but at least make a mental note. What are you asking God for right now in your life? Are you asking for a particular physical healing for yourself or for somebody else? Is there the salvation of somebody that's on your mind? Or maybe you've got some big decisions and, and you are going, Lord, I need wisdom. I want you to ask yourself right now, what are you asking the Lord for? And if you can, jot it down because as you think about that specifically, I think it'll make all that we do in the scriptures this morning all the more practical. Because I know all of us to varying degrees are asking God for something. And sometimes it seems like God answers and other times it seems like he's really slow. In fact, have any of you ever asked the Lord for something and then he didn't do it? Yes, can I see your hand? Okay, if you don't have your hand up, maybe you haven't prayed for anything because almost everybody, all of us, right? Let's be honest, have asked the Lord for something. He hasn't always done what we've asked. So I hope this morning is gonna encourage you, even if that's your experience, that you won't stop Asking. So turn with me to Genesis 25 if you haven't opened up your Bibles yet. And this is going to be our last message from this section in Genesis looking at Abraham, the friend of God. Now, you might go, well, Abraham died last week. Well, it was recorded his death earlier in chapter 25, but actually, this might blow your mind a bit, actually, in verse 21, where we're going to look at today, he's still alive, even though they buried him in verse 8. That's only they buried him in the story to take now the look towards the next major character in the book of Genesis. But truly, chronologically, Abraham is alive, and I'll tell you why that matters, or why I think it matters in a moment. So, so here's our text for this morning. This is Isaac, the son of promise, that Abraham and Sarah, his wife, had waited for for 25 years because God had said, I'm going to make you a great nation, Abraham. And Isaac finally was born. And now Isaac is married. And it says, Isaac, verse 21, prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. You know what that means? It means they wanted to have children, but she was unable to conceive. So what did Isaac do for her? He prayed. Prayed what? He prayed that she would be able to conceive. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So this is a, a great encouragement for, I hope, all of us who go, there was something in their life that they said, God, we need you to change what is happening. And so we're going to ask you. And God did, according to what Isaac asked, and a barren wife went to a pregnant wife. Think they were happy? Oh, man. Overjoyed. But it all seems so like simple and neat in one verse here. But let me give you some context that might encourage you in your own prayers. The context to what's happening around this verse is that they had been married 20 years before Rebecca had conceived. 
So it doesn't say this. Well, let me tell you a second fact and then we'll, what I had said already is, and Abraham was still alive. So those two realities put some real life into this verse for me. Because it, it seems like they had a problem, Isaac prayed, she conceives, it's all nice and done. It's like a vending machine. I'll take one baby. But does your prayer life work like a vending machine? If you do, you ought to sell it because you could get a lot of money for that sucker. <laughs> now, pr prayer doesn't work like a vending machine, but it seems like it does here. But reality tells me this is something they had struggled with for 20 years. Now, does it say that he had prayed for 20 years? Yes or no? No, it doesn't say that he had prayed for 20 years. If we're guessing, had they prayed for 20 years? Probably. See, a Jewish family like this, as we look back, it's all about descendants. It's all about children. So it's not the American family. Let's, let's wait a while. Let's travel. Let's get a good financial nest egg, you know, and then maybe some kids, but not too many. Totally different mindset. Let's get kids fast and lots. And so, quite frankly, by year one, do you know that Isaac was 40 when he was married? So from year one, they would have wanted had children. So it doesn't say it, but it's likely after a year, no children. God, what's up? It doesn't say that. Is it possible that he didn't pray for 19 years and then in 19 years he went, God, I don't know what else to do. Maybe you can help. Is that possible? Yes, because here's another observation for you. Do you know the verse where it says Sarah was barren and Abraham prayed for her and then she conceived? Do you know where that verse is? Yeah, me neither. In other words, it's not in the Old Testament. It never actually says that Abraham prayed for Sarah. So it's possible, don't miss this, it's possible that they did not have because they did not ask. James, New Testament says, you have not because you ask not. So my encouragement right from the start is if you haven't been asking the Lord, why not? Is prayer your last resort? Or is it your first response? But it's likely that they had, even though it doesn't say. It's likely they said, God, would you please bless us with a child? And I am struck that through 20 years, Isaac had a dad who could come alongside him and say, son, I, I get it. I feel your pain. I know what it's like to wait and wait and wonder, God, are you going to act here? And before we move on, one final encouragement for you. You've prayed for anything for 20 years? Most of us give up before year 20. 
And I am struck by how easily it would have been given for Isaac to, to give up at year 19, not knowing what year 20 would hold. So can I encourage you, if you've prayed and asked the Lord and he has not answered, don't hesitate to continue to, to ask. In fact, I hope by the end of our service today, one of the two expressions you'll have in your head is this. As the long as the Lord gives me breath, I will, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. But there's one more piece of information behind the story, behind this answer, that is actually the most critical piece. And that is that as Isaac prayed for his wife, here is what the story is. Genesis 17 had said, this is back before Isaac was born. God had said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and indeed I'll give you a son by her. Then I'll bless her and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah who is 90 years old bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh that Ishmael might live before you. Now if you don't know what that means, here's what that means. Abraham had a son named Ishmael. It wasn't through Sarah, his wife, but through her maidservant, Hagar. And Abraham simply going, we're too old, God. You got to just work with what we have. And God says, no, I don't. And I'm not going to. I'm going to work like I promised through you and your wife because the two have become one flesh and the promise I made to you is a promise that I'm making to her. No, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. See, God gave him his name. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for, now catch this, for his descendants after him. Why have I underlined his descendants? Because who's the his in that sentence? Isaac. In other words, don't, don't miss this. This is absolutely crucial to understanding what Isaac was praying. Isaac was praying according to God, keep your promise. Versus what? Man, we'd like to have kids, God. That is huge. Why? Because as I ask you to think about what you are asking the Lord for right now, some of you were thinking, I'm asking God to keep a promise he's made. And some of you were thinking things that God hasn't promised, but it's a genuine desire. Right? As you thought about, as we started, what you're praying for, do you know what it is? Is it something God promised he'll do? Is it something you hope he'll do? Because in our praying, if we are, you and I are going to pray effectively, the first thing we have to do is kind of sort out our prayers. Am I asking God for something he's promised? Or am I asking God for something he hasn't promised? So let me run through it really quickly. Well, what has he promised? 
And what is he not promised? I can't cover everything, obviously, exhaustively. But here are the things that I think we often pray about, and I'm going to put him into the two buckets, what he's promised, what he's not. First, what has he promised? He has promised that if what you are seeking right now is inner peace, you are asking God to keep a promise he has made. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, might, no, will, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. He promises to his children who pray with thanksgiving inner peace. He promises to his children forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have time to camp here, but let's be clear. When you ask the Lord to forgive you as you confess your sin to him, you never need to wonder, will he do it? Won't he do it? He has promised he will. Do not carry guilt upon yourself that God has forgiven. Confess and he forgives. Third, what has he promised? Overcoming temptation. If what you were thinking about is something of, man, there's this continual enslaving sin in my life and it continues to knock the slats out of my life, then here, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. That's the first promise. Second, God is faithful who will not allow you to tend to beyond what you're able. Third, with the temptation, will provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Did you know that God gives three promises as it regards to temptation in your life? Never more than what's common to man. Never more than what you're able, and always a way of escape. He always promises he will give us a way of escape. Now look me in the eye and tell me that as a child of God, you have not seen God give you a way of escape, and then you went, mm, no thanks, I actually want to sin. See, when we sin, it's not because he didn't give us a way out. It's because we determined we didn't want it. He promises. It's common. It's not more than you can bear. And I'll always give you an exit route. It's just some of us us really like to stay on the sin highway. Wisdom. You need wisdom? Wisdom. If that's what you thought about, he has promised. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Wisdom is one of the great promises of God. Listen, unbelievable when you really think about it, that the God of the universe invites you, who he has all wisdom, he invites you to say, don't lean on your own understanding. There's divine wisdom available for the asking. 
ask in faith. And if I can visualize for you again, you know what ask in faith is? Here's ask in faith. In other words, Lord, whatever you say, I'm under your authority. If you ask like this, Lord, I'd like for, to hear what you say so I can consider it among what other people say. If he has one of your ears instead of both of your ears, you know what wisdom you get? Zippo. Wisdom is reserved for those who will say, Lord, I'm going to ask in the confidence that whatever you say, that's what I'll do. It's a promise. If you want divine wisdom, ask in faith. Now, I don't know if this is what you are praying about. Forgiveness, wisdom, temptation. Is that what you're praying about? Actually, many of our prayers are according to what God has not promised. So what has he not promised? Well, interestingly, and again, this is where I cannot list everything he does not promise. But I can list the things that we, I hear most people pray about. And it's not wrong to pray. Okay, if you're, so here, very carefully right now. Let me have all your eyes, please. I am not saying if he has not promised, you should not ask him. <laughs> you should. But you should ask knowing this is not a promise. When Isaac prayed, God make Rebecca conceive, he was actually praying something that God had promised. But that was pretty unique. Very, very unique. In fact, it's not a promise that all who want to bear children will bear children. That was unique to Sarah, to Rebecca. To Jacob's wife. Why? Because he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And your descendants. Doesn't promise. He didn't promise any rutlets. Doesn't mean we don't ask. He doesn't promise healing in this life. Now, when I say in this life, why? Because all who are in Christ, when this tent, which is what the scripture calls it, when this tent finally falls down, I look forward to in heaven a brand new body that will never fall down again. Does he heal in this life? Does he? Yes. Has he promised he'll heal everybody all the time? No. Because think about it then. Who would ever die? Good weather. Man, do we pray about the weather. Don't we? And I put good in parentheses. Why? Because it all depends what's on your schedule, what defines good. Sometimes you want rain. Sometimes you want sunshine. Sometimes you want snow. Sometimes you want enough snow, but not too much. It'll make it dangerous. So we're always asking the Lord, give us good weather. And who gets weather promises? Noah. And Noah, anybody else? <laughs> Noah got a weather promise. The only promise you and I get weather is what? No global flood again. 
Local flooding, mm-hmm. The only weather promise we get. So is it wrong to pray about the weather? No, no, my son gets married next Sunday night. I won't be with you next Sunday because my youngest son gets married next Sunday evening. And we hope, yeah. And so I've said, Lord, that Wilford or whatever that storm is out there, they're lining up. We would prefer a non-hurricane wedding. Right? Has he promised? No, he hadn't. Should I ask? Sure. Because why? Some of you have not because you ask not. Physical protection for self, for others. It always freaks my wife out, quite frankly. Kids driving, driving over the Buckman. Kids canoeing into the swamp as teenagers at night. Doug, we should not let them do that. It'll be okay. You don't know that. God has not promised to keep them safe. And what do you say to that? You're right. He hasn't. Did she ask? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we ask. But he hadn't promised. This is probably the hardest one that we pray for. The salvation of our family, our friends. Now, don't misunderstand. If they believe, will they be saved? Absolutely. But just because I ask that my kids believe and my grandkids believe, and that my neighbors believe, doesn't mean they They will. This is, this is one of the hardest ones. And so, hey, let me encourage you. Just a couple weeks ago, I was listening to the story again of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, if you don't know that name, was a missionary to inland China. He, he radically transformed that whole country with his willingness to take the gospel inland. But he wasn't a believer at age 16. He had grown up in a church, family. He had been gone to church, but he kind of scoffed at it. And his mom was incredibly burdened that their son Hudson didn't believe. So she was out of town and had an afternoon off. Check this. And she didn't take the afternoon to go shopping or to take a nap or to go fishing. She went, there's nothing I want more and then my children to believe. So she took her afternoon off and she said, Lord, I'm going to spend the entire afternoon crying out to you that you would save Hudson. Miles away, 16-year-old Hudson is bored and he wants to read, but he has read every, this is Civil War time frame, if you don't, this is the 1860s, a little bit earlier. He's read every book in their house, except the one that his dad wanted him to read about spiritual things. And that afternoon, he decides, I've read everything else multiple times. He decides, I'll read this. But he doesn't want anybody to know and he doesn't want anybody to bug him. So he grabs that and goes into a private place and starts reading 
the gospel. And God penetrates his heart while his mom is miles away praying for her 16-year-old. And he believes and is born again. And I can't explain this, but in the midst of her afternoon of prayer, the Spirit of God spoke to her heart, I have answered your prayer, your son has believed. She got off her knees and finished. Got home days later and he was so excited. Mom, I have something to tell you. And she said, you believed. And he said, who told you? And she told him the story. Why do I tell you all that? Because I know one of the greatest burdens of our heart is that God has not promised to save our children or our grandchildren or our siblings or our parents. And some of you have prayed and some of you have stopped or some of you have hoped but not prayed. And I want to encourage you with all my heart from this text, pray and don't stop praying. You never know if you're in year 19. You never know what God might do this afternoon. But ask. It's why for weeks we've been encouraging you to invite people to Alpha. Why? Because God has said, if you invite them, I promise they'll attend. No. But he might. What we know for sure is they won't if we don't invite. So invite them. And see what the Lord does for it. And if you've invited somebody, pray that God would use that invitation and the participation to open their hearts. So how do we pray for first of all, what is promised? And then how do we pray for what is not promised? First of all, are you asking the Lord for any of these things right now? I'd just be curious. I don't think this is too intimidating. Are any of you right now asking the Lord for any of these things right here? Oh, wow, lots of you. Huh, so you probably want to pay attention right now. How do you pray about these things? Well, all prayer, four, four, four verbs I want you to embrace. We pray believing and we pray asking. And watch, the asking is evidence of our believing. We pray because we believe, we ask. The evidence that we're asking is that we trust. See, if we don't trust what he does, then we weren't asking, we were demanding. And if we didn't ask, it's probably because we actually didn't believe that he would do, he's gonna do whatever he wants. It doesn't matter whether I ask or not. So we believe, and because we believe, we ask. And because we're asking, we trust. And the evidence of our trusting is that we, that we give him praise. So effective prayer, as you think about praying, is believing, asking, trusting, praising. If he has promised, what are we believing in our prayers? What are we believing? We're believing that he will, not only that he'll answer, because an answer can be no, we believe that his answer will always be Yes, I have promised. God is a promise keeper. So when I ask him for peace, I believe he'll give it. When I ask him to forgive me, I believe. When I ask for wisdom with a heart of faith, not doubting, I believe 
He will, because he promised. So why ask? If he's promised, why do I ask? Because of what he's promised, here's why you ask. You're asking for those things because when do you want them? Now. If you didn't really care about when, you'd go, well, whatever you care, whatever you think, Lord. You give me peace whenever. What do you want peace? Now. When do you need wisdom? Now. Like in the next seven days, Lord. So we, we ask now. See, it's not that we go, I don't know if you want to. He, he says he will. Well, what we're asking for is now, Lord. Wisdom now. Peace now. Forgiveness now. Direction now. But what are we trusting? We know he will. What are we trusting? <laughs> We're trusting his timing. Because the eternal one can be so slow. And then other times so fast. But what is he not? I'll take wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Will he give you wisdom? Yes. Will he always give it right when you want it? God is never late. Rarely early. Never late. Rarely early. We trust his timing. <laughs> and so we praise him no matter when. We praise him. Why? Because, Lord, I, I know you're a promise keeper, and, and I know you won't be late. I, I'm going to trust your timing. Just think. Abraham and Sarah, what did they ask for? A child. Now, we, we assume. They want it now. We're like getting old. Now we're getting too old. Now it's too late. <laughs> that was their timing. And the Lord said, okay, now. Did he keep his promise? Was he late? <laughs> Depends who you ask. <laughs> well, but was he late? No. His timing was perfect. It just wasn't theirs. And his timing will be perfect in your life and my life. It just not be, might not be ours. So I praise him no matter when. But what about what he's not promised? Do we believe, ask, trust, and praise there? Absolutely. All effective prayers about believing, asking, trusting, and praising. What do we believe about what he's not promised? Now, here's where it gets tricky. There's a certain segment that goes, well, he hadn't promised, but believe that he will. Now, that's reserved for those that he's promised. What do we believe? We believe that he can. Do you believe that he can heal? See, I do now. But I got to tell you, I grew up, and nobody ever explicitly said, no, he doesn't heal. Just nobody ever really asked for healing. It was all more like, well, if God wants to heal, he'll heal. And there wasn't any literal asking God. 
And you know what? A failure to ask reveals they didn't believe. It wasn't until I began to understand, I believe he can, that I was prepared to then ask that he would. But remember, what's the evidence that I'm asking? That I trust. I'm not just trusting his timing though, I'm trusting his, I'm trusting his choosing. See that difference? I'm not just trusting his timing. I'm trusting his choosing. Why? Because I'm believing he can, but he hadn't promised he would. So I'm asking that he would, but I'm going to trust his choosing. And because I'm trusting his choosing, it's not a matter of I praise him no matter when. It's a matter of I praise him no matter, I praise him no matter what. Now, if you're tracking with me, I hope what you are sensing is this. That the encouragement from the scriptures is what, as long as God gives me life, as long as God gives me breath, I won't stop asking. I'm going to trust his timing and his choosing, whether it's been promised or not promised. I'm going to trust and I won't stop praising him either. See, I won't stop asking and I won't stop praising. Now, let me have your eyes. Have you stopped asking or have you stopped praising him? The profound mark of our faith in God is our thankfulness. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. The language of our faith is that we praise him. No matter what, no matter when. Because undergirding his timing and his choosing, the undergirding of my prayers are these three realities. First, God is infinitely powerful. In other words, I believe that results in my asking, what is it that I believe? I believe he can do anything. So what is it that has happened historically in the scriptures that encourages you to believe that God can do anything? Anything come to mind? Because when I pray, here are the things that come to my mind that encourage me to believe that he can. Huh? How about creation from nothing. If he can make something, and not just something, but something phenomenal out of nothing, can he protect your kids? Can he remove your cancer? Can he save your teenager? Yeah. He spoke it into existence. He can do anything. The dry ground on the parted Red Sea, that's always a huge encouragement. Not just that he parted it as they're backed up against him. The Egyptian army's coming this way, the Red Sea's behind him. God parts it, and they don't slosh their way through. It says they went across on dry ground. And sometimes you think, well, if he can part the sea, he can make it dry. Yes, I know, but that's kind of an extra bonus. Right? Until then, the Egyptian army. Okay. 
That'll encourage you. He can do anything and trust his timing to open and to close. Making flies fly in Egypt, but not in Goshen. Always one of my favorite. One of the 10 plagues in Egypt. Just infested Egypt with flies. But where the Israelites lived in the portion, no fly zone, literally. This is phenomenal. Try it. Try and get flies to fly on your neighbor's food instead of your food. Good luck. You can't do that. But God goes, nope, nope, nope. He directs flies where they fly. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's just easier to do that because, well, multiple reasons. You know the guys who threw them in? That blazing fire? Charred. Like burned up in a flash. And they got thrown in. And what the scripture says about them? They came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. They were not singed. You sit beside a fire and smell like smoke. They stood in a blazing fire that consumed the guards who threw them in and they didn't smell like smoke. See, that's the sort of thing that encourages as if, oh God, can you heal the person's back? Ugh. What? Sometimes I look back in real sadness for what I didn't believe about our God. Evidenced by what I didn't ask. What do you don't ask? Because you don't see that he raised from the dead. And as I've shared in the past, that was the beginning of my story. Easter Sunday. Suddenly confronted, I was going to preach that Jesus was raised from the dead, but I was hesitant to ask the Lord to heal my 12-year-old. And it was just a, an honest, very practical crisis of belief that I was like, what, are you an idiot, Douglas? Do you believe he raised him from the dead? And if you believe he raised him from the dead, can you not ask him? Now, did he promise he was going to heal my 12-year-old? No. But could I ask him, believing that he could? Yes. See, I believe that he can because of an infinite power. And I ask that he would. I ask because I believe he's perfectly wise. And his perfect wisdom demonstrated in his placement from the earth, from the sun. Just amazing that we're warm, but not like crispy. And we're cool, but not like frozen solid. Is that not amazing? Or how about this? Gravity. The fact that you can, I can do that. I can jump and then not float around. But nor am I like, this is so heavy. Gravity is an amazing thing. Now, some of you are so smart, you go, it's not that amazing. It's that amazing. <laughs> the functionality of the human body. How in the world God made a bone so that it would you know you hear because of a bone? That, that is absolutely crazy. Can you trust God's wisdom? Who goes, let's put it this close. Oh, too close. 
Oh, too far. No, right here. And that somehow I can say something right now and your bones can call you to hear. That's ridiculous. Wise. So I ask him because he's infinitely powerful. I, 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 no, I believe because he's infinitely powerful. I ask because he's perfectly wise and I trust because he's lovingly good. You see, these aren't just random thoughts. Are you capturing that? Why do I believe, believe because he's infinitely powerful? Why do I ask because he's perfectly wise? Why do I trust because he is lovingly good? He heals the leopard who says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And he takes a guy who's untouchable and he makes him clean. Jesus notices the woman who touched him. He does it. She's just not healed. There's this amazing moment where she, 12 years isolated from society because of her bleeding, he brings her in front of her. She tells her story. And then he says to her, daughter, daughter, go in peace. Such love and goodness in that moment. Stopping a funeral procession, Jesus does. From a woman who has had the worst of the worst, her spouse has died and her son has died. And Jesus interrupts. It's like he goes, well, stops them. And raises the boy from the dead. Infinitely powerful, perfectly wise, lovingly good. So that he, God, takes on human flesh. So that he, God, who took on human flesh could die a substitutionary death that we who were dead might come to life. Is there any greater love or any greater expression expression of goodness than God becoming man and God dying in man's place? Can you believe that causes you to ask, but ask in a manner that trust with a commitment to do what? Praise him no matter when, no matter what. So it'd be crazy to teach this and not take some time to pray. So all, everything that Matt led us in singing and Isaac led in singing, what I've taught is to lead us to pray right now. So, Some of you said, what do you need that he's promised? Some of you said, you're praying for inner peace. Some of you said, forgiveness. Some of you said, to overcome a temptation for wisdom. We're gonna, we're gonna, as long as the Lord gives us breath, do two things. What do we say? Ask and pray. So we're gonna ask and then we're gonna praise. And then we're gonna ask and then we're gonna praise, okay? We're gonna start by asking for what, he has promised. So in your seat there, bow if that helps you. Close your eyes if that helps you focus. If you're at home, maybe please, not maybe, please stop whatever you're doing. And let's, believing, let's ask. God, you're a promise keeper. So for those who are churning and turning in their heart and their stomach today because of circumstances in life, I pray that as they 
make their requests to you with thanksgiving. That in this moment, right now, Lord, would like a shower of peace wash over them. A flood of peace fill their heart and mind right now. For those, Lord, who came in with guilt in their heart, hiding their sin as they confessed to you right now, would you confess to him? And Lord, would they know in this moment your cleansing, your forgiveness, your washing them. Restore to them the joy of their salvation. If Lord, any have walked in or are listening right now who have never trusted in you, I pray that right now they would confess their sin, admit their need for a savior and believe in your death, burial, and resurrection right now, that their sin would be removed. If a particular temptation keeps wrecking your world, wrecking your life or your marriage, would you thank the Lord right now, Lord? Thank you that it's not unusual and it's not too much. Thank you for the way of escape, Lord. I, I will take it in the coming days. I know lots are asking for wisdom. So let me invite you right now, by faith, in other words, with a heart that says, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want and that's what I'll do. Whether it makes sense to me or not, If you declare it, I will do it. Would you give divine wisdom? Speak, Lord, right now into the hearts of your children who are crying out to you for direction, for wisdom. Lord, we ask believing and trusting and praising. So let's stand now and continue our prayer by giving him praise that he is the God of miracles, the faithful one. The faith arise Despite of what I see, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief, I choose to trust you. No matter what I feel, let faith arise. Let faith arise. For a champion's not dead.
to continue to now pray, asking the Lord for that which he has not promised, but we believe he can. And so if, if you are asking the Lord for physical healing in some way, I wonder if you'd put your hand up right now. Just keep it up right now, over in north, even in your home. It's like you're putting your hand up, say, Lord, I'm asking. And so, Lord, I want to, with these hands raised now, I want to ask for your healing touch. Those of you who don't have your hands raised right now, pray for those that have their hands raised. That you, the God of miracles, the one who parted the Red Sea and raised the dead and healed the leper, would you bring healing to these physical bodies? You know, Lord, their need, you know their struggle, and we know that you care. And so we're asking for your healing touch. And Lord, for it to happen right now, that they sense right now, your heal, your healing work in their body. And now, anybody asking the Lord for a child? Lord, would you grant this couple that I see and anyone in the other setting, would you grant them a child? Open the womb and bless them. Do you have a family member who has not yet believed that you are asking God to open their eyes? Put your hand up. A family member. God, you're the only one who can turn the light on. And so I ask that you would, by your grace, Break through the unbelief and the hardness of heart and open their eyes. You with your hand raised, would you just quietly, wherever you stand, would you name the name right now? Lord, would you save and then declare the name? Lord, we know that sin destroys and the enemy deceives and we're asking that you the one who lives in his truth, would you open their eyes? We ask all these things, not demanding, but we ask for healing, and for children, and for salvation, believing that you are the God who works. Let's continue to praise him with all of our hearts. This world is shaking, but you cannot be shaken. My heart is breaking, but I am not forsaken. Your love is fearless. Help me to be courageous too. Oh, there is nothing impossible. This world is shaking. 
and believing that you are infinitely powerful and trusting that you are perfectly wise. We ask in your loving goodness, as long as you have breath, Lord, we ask. As long as you give us life, we ask. And we give you praise that you are our heavenly Father, that you are our good shepherd, and that you have given us your Son. And if you have not withheld your Son, how would you withhold any good thing? Thank you for your faithfulness, for your promises, and for the invitation to ask and to trust and to praise. In Jesus' name, we give ourselves to you. Amen. Thanks for being here. God bless. Keep asking. Keep praising.